Welcome to the Private Press Episode 6. The Private Press Podcast aims to take a closer look at some of the records that have had an impact on the three of us over the years. Today, we are doing a deep dive on television's Marquee Moon. This is part two, where we're going to be looking at each song from the record. Where do we start? I think we should probably start with the first song, which is called See No Evil. There's a lot of evil out there. There is a lot of evil out there. What a great way to start a record. So classic sounding. Gets your attention right away. Yeah. Speaking of classic, I feel like there's some sort of feel in Verlaine's voice that has more of a classic punk feel. There's a little bit of gritty rock and roll energy to me. Yeah, I like where you're going with that. Um, We've talked a lot about how, even though television was part of the whole punk scene in New York, they definitely stood out for obvious reasons. However, I think this song probably caters to that crowd a little bit more more than the rest of the record. I don't think there's other like straight ahead kind of just you know I don't know you call this just straight ahead I don't know rock songs like this on the record um I could see this in you know CBGB's going over well yeah um Kevin thoughts or are you seeing evil right now sorry I was just literally getting lost in the song and listening I just I love Richard Lloyd's circular guitar riff uh, Tom Verlaine's playing that dun dun, just the really simple part, and Richard Lloyd's playing that circular hypnotic riff that just makes me. Yeah, that's what sucks you into the song, right? Is yeah. the repetition of both of those actually? That hypnotic riff does. Is Lloyd responsible for all the hypnotic riffs on the record, or is that his thing? Um, because there, I noticed that theme throughout the record, a lot of these riffs. A lot can, of repetition? For sure. And I and, and again, I mentioned on the last episode that sometimes distinguishing you know, who's responsible for what is, I, I don't know at times, but I know there's signature sounds and styles with guitar players. For me, Richard Lloyd, and that's Richard Lloyd playing the guitar solo right there. Can um, I say something about the solo real quick? Go for it. I feel like this solo, it's the first track it's like a primer for the rest of the record, you know? It may not be the best solo on this record, but it, it gets you ready for the rest of the solos that are about to, yeah, that's, it like gets me primed for the rest of the record. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. It, that, that man, Richard Lloyd's just a shredder. Um, in terms of the guitar playing, I like to think of Richard Lloyd as like adding color. Okay. He's kind of like the texture guy. I like that. Verlaine's got the main riff that's super driving, and um, Richard Lloyd's adding, like, it's just kind of fluid on top, just floating on top. I think this song with uh, Tom Verlaine's vocals, I hear the most, like, kind of David Byrne overlap here. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't You don't hear it? No, I, I definitely hear it, but I just, I, I never equated that. Yeah, me either, but I hear what you're saying. Um, but more so on this song than other ones, I don't, I think on other songs, as we, you know, dive into the record, we'll see kind of more of a range with Verlaine's voice that distinguishes him, you know, from, you know, from his peers, from his contemporaries. Uh, Do you, are any lyrics stand out to you guys? Not really. I mean, I, I, I focus on lyrics a lot with, with pretty much every record I, I consume. Um, I don't know with Verlaine, it either, connects or it just goes over my head um i don't really know what he's trying to say most of the time um 
but then there are moments where um, I like the line um, he wants a boat made out of the ocean that's going to be a reoccurring theme there's a lot of references to the sea and the ocean that is a weird lyric I mean what is a boat made out of the ocean um, it's like but, because it makes me think yeah there's the sea or the ocean is mentioned several times on this record so okay. we'll, and we'll the moon is responsible for control controlling the tides. Oh, dang. so you're right. Well, what do we think about Marquee Moon as a title? What are they referring to here? Are we talking about New York City? It makes me think of Broadway, like it, you know. And I think actually um, this next next track mentions that, and so I think uh, that's my guess. I, if I'm just trying to connect dots, that's where the title comes is being on Broadway and there's all those marquees. I think um, I think it's definitely marquees. I think it's more um, reflective of like Tom Verlaine playing shows and seeing his band on the marquee. Oh, maybe, yeah. Just totally. they played a lot of shows throughout the years yeah. and um, love this song. So we're on to Venus now, um, which is one of, I think it's the oldest song on the record. This one is one Verlaine used to- Written the earliest. He played it by himself. Mm. Um, Real quick, so that those opening drums right there on the last episode I had talked about. Um, you said the uh, drums were weak as fuck. <laughs> I think that's a direct quote. I did not say they were weak <laughs> as fuck. No. However, um, every time I hear this song, I want them to hit harder. I want it to be louder. Like it's just, um, it just doesn't fill I my. Totally understand why um, you feel that way. And uh, yeah, so again, I've been looking for live versions, hoping that that exists. I don't know. Um, There's definitely an emphasis on the hi-hat on this song. There's a lot of fancy hi-hat work going on. Not and I at wish this the, point. But. Oh, sorry. Go and ahead. No, with the drums, I wish it would go. the intro would go longer um, with mm. the drums. I, I think, Or I think you can get away with it, I guess. Um, Tom Verlaine takes the solo on this one. Uh, for me, this song feels sort of like a... It's like retelling of a night on the town a little bit and like the experiences you've had with a friend. Like it's a night out, you're present, you're in the moment and enjoying. Here he is mentioning Broadway. You're talking about uh, when he talks to Richie about dressing up as cops. Right. I mean, that's that's talking about Richard Hell, right? Them being kids, you know, maybe or not kids, just being maybe pre-television times, being out on the town, having fun with your buddy. Just get in trouble or try not to. What about falling into the arms of Venus Demilo? Right? Is that how you say that? I, I always wondered because he says Demilo, and, and I've always heard it Demilo. But that statue doesn't have arms. Yeah, very, oh. uh, very poetic. Um, so I but think is that I, as poetic as getting in a boat made of the ocean? Is or just that? That part right there that we're listening to. Volume swells. What? Okay. What is that? Is that? How, um, Okay, yeah, there was a couple things on a few of these tracks where I'm like, wait a minute, what is that sound? Is that Lloyd, you think, doing that? No, that's uh, Tom Verlaine. On the volume swells? Yeah. Okay. Okay, all right, yeah, I don't know what that is. So you take the, you turn your volume all the way down, uh -huh. and then you hit a note, you strike a note, and then you turn your volume up and it swells up. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. 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 Most most modern people do it on a volume pedal as opposed to doing it with a knob. But Cheaters. Right. Well, a, I a was going to ask. A real um, player would do it with the knobs, but you have volume, volume pedals now and you can 
do it much easier. My notes are, hey, Kevin, is that an effects pedal? So <laughs> This is uh, a no-frills record. that is not an effects. No effects pedals were used. Yeah, this is okay. a no-frills, no production, right. no wizardry. Well, there's production. Yeah, but I mean, compared to modern records, this is a very sparsely recorded record. And is there piano on this record at all? There is on and a couple tracks. who is responsible for that? That I don't know. Tom Verlaine. Is it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because okay. the because the, the piano is like pretty meaningful, but I guess we'll talk about it when we get to those tracks. Um, I went, yeah, I looked, because it doesn't indicate on the liner notes that there's any piano. So I thought, and with all the, you know, fancy guitar work, I'm like, yeah. whoa, is he Sometimes doing- a, you could get a guitar to kind of sound like that a little bit. Yeah, and and a lot of the piano follows could, Fred Smith's be- bass. Hmm. It's like, especially like the root notes. All right. Now we're getting on to Friction. What, are we what kind of friction are we talking about? This is a, for, well, for me, there's some very erotic illusions in yeah, this song. It seems that way. Um, it seems your mind is in the gutter, Sean. Um, however, if there is a weak link in this Uh-oh. record, Uh-oh. this is where I would put it. I do not say that lightly, though. Do you um, think it has something to do with, like, because this beginning, like, it has a weird feeling, like, it's not a straightforward thing, and, like, this song takes a little while to get going. Do you think it has something to do with that? Um, I think it's just a matter of taste because I, I just don't, I, I just don't think I like it that much. Because on the same hand, this is probably one of my most favorite vocal deliveries on the record from Verlaine. I think he's just so bitter in his singing. Um, this, I'd agree with you. This being the weak track for me as well. Um, I don't like the riff all that much maybe that's which Richard yeah, it's, Lloyd wrote it's not it as pains catchy me to say that um, I don't know I think it's got a catchy chorus though double, yeah, for sure double exposure from the demos could have been a better okay I think yeah, it's something better. I want you guys to listen to listen to the, where the drums accent and how it like kind of aligns with the lyrics and where they are the the phrasing it to me it's it sounds really cool the drums I think are really uh, accentu- uh, accentuating what the lyric is a little bit. Kind of like Chad Smith and Anthony Kiedis. Sure. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sure. Cal- Californication. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I paid attention to that syncopation. Yeah, that. listen to it. I, I really caught my ear, and I think it makes the song stronger and more cohesive. Like, it feels like the the drums and the, and the lyrics are, like, in sync. I like this guitar right here, though. Yeah. Tremolo and- picking. It's like kind and it it because that's not like a. a I've never pretty, noticed that until right now. So it's not a tr- pretty part. It's a cool guitar sound, but it's not pretty. You know, it's not a it's not a part that someone's gonna latch on. But I do like when there's like a lyric and then there's a guitar line like that where it's like, it's it, it's bringing something different into the song. You know, like here as well. Kind of like the blues. Kind of sure. S- yeah, you're a little throw back to the blues. You're a little solo in between. Oh. What are they? What is he talking about here? Um, I think he's talking about sex. Yeah, people complain about my diction. What? What is diction? Well, and he does the pause. Yeah, to emphasize it. Friction. Snake, get out of your skin. It's yeah. the choice and use of words and phrases in speech or writing. Okay. So, um, thank you, high school English teacher. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, and then you High listen to soccer like, teacher. <laughs> Tom Verlaine's guitar freak out right here is very like something like Nels Klein. 
would yeah, do now. Totally. Klein and Jeff wow. Tweedy of Wilco. I hadn't really are thought about that. Huge yeah. television disciples. disciples. That's a good call, Kev. That's like without a doubt. Like those guys definitely. All right. Well, I think it's safe to say we could go on from friction and go on to the title track. What do you guys think? I'll get, be- I'll get better onto the mic. Let's do oh, is it. this? Oh, wait. This is your part. Is it? Oh no, that's just some fancy hi hat stuff. Yeah, let's go on to the next track. Marquee Moon. So right away, these opening guitar stabs, right chords. In. Yeah, it it for me it it, it elicits a reaction. Sure. Like, like and then again when the second guitar comes in, it's like it's kind of hypnotic for sure in a way where they're playing the same bit over and over again. So it's sort of like hypnotizing me, getting me in the right headspace for this this 10 minute song. Yeah. You're getting in the groove here. You're starting, all right, we're on this journey and here we go and we're getting into the groove. This song evolved into 10 minutes from what I read. I think, oh, yeah? yeah, it originally started off like three to four and then so forth and so forth. I mean, and then, uh, not everyone was doing 10 minute songs in that time and they still don't. No, no. Um, it's like it's prog- rock taboo. <laughs> I read that it started as an acoustic ballad. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, there's no uh, recorded history of that, mm. um, unfortunately. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Is there any 10-minute-plus songs that are as good as this song? Desolation Row by Bob Dylan. That, that's a good one. Coma what? by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. It, it feels like a masterpiece to me. It's like a long... For sure. And it's a journey, right? Because you get to the solo bit or the, you know, the, the crescendo in towards the end, and it just feels like a masterpiece. You're on a ride. Yeah, it definitely takes you on a voyage. Going Boy, back to what we were yeah. talking about off mic, you guys want to get your OG pressings, and you're not going to get the full ten. Plus oh, really? Minutes. Sure. Yeah, I you only get just like read nine thirty-four. Yeah, I don't so, know what I have. I guess. Um, yeah. So you guys, I'll 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 stick with my longer version of Marky Moon. Is is this television at the height of their powers? Obviously, it's the title track. And is this the height of the guitar interplay on the record? Be it the groove or the soloing. Hmm. I would say yes. I think a lot of people would say, I, mean, I think you, you have to. Yeah. Like those, those guitars are having a conversation. And I like this one too because they split up the solos. Richard Lloyd takes the first one, and then the long, kind of meandering one is Tom Verlaine. Lloyd was quoted as saying, It's like a mini symphony. Towards the end of the song, Tom gets a long solo, and he would often meander through parts of it, but we had it structured. Yeah, and then I, I read another thing where. I think it was like a guitar magazine interview with Verlaine and they're asking about his solos and he says he doesn't work them out because he can't remember them. He just really? plays different things just each time. From feel, yeah. just feel it, which is kind of beautiful. I mean, I think we're all so used to perfection where you hear something recorded and that's the definitive version. Right. But going to Bob Dylan or Grateful Dead or these other bands that reinvent their songs in time and play different solos and different parts. So... I had a question. You yeah. brought up the dead. Yes. Um, one thing I couldn't avoid reading was television's called the punk Grateful Dead. What do you because of this song? I mean, yeah, essentially because of this song. Um, Probably the dueling guitars, but I, I, I'd say more accurate comparison would be like Quicksilver Messenger Service. 
Like, have you guys ever listened to them? I have. From the 60s? I have a few of the records. No. The twin guitar attack is more similar. Yeah, it's too... I don't think these guys were deadheads. No. Um, Yeah, I don't... In fact, I think, like, they were repulsed... Their New York music scene at that time was a reaction to, like... 60s psychedelia music and yeah, they push stuff. back against yeah. That this stuff, is like sure. anti. Um, Verlaine d- does like the two first Grateful Dead records because I, I explored wow. that. Yeah, he wow. um, yeah he's he's on record saying that. Um, but he pushed back against that comparison. Mm. But he was. I like, wonder if he liked them back then or if it's like being an no. older person who's just non-biased. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Music. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think the interview was around that time per yeah. se. Um, I think people just needed a way to explain the band. Sure. So let's just call we it We all that. want to put things in boxes yeah, that so. don't have a box. But I, I, I'm not familiar with The Dead um, enough to know, you know, to really Nor comment on. Okay. However, it seems like The Dead, their jam sessions kind of just lead you into this yeah. black hole, whereas it all comes back to the beginning. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about the song, right? Um, is after this instrumental break, which is three minutes and 45 seconds. or it's, Sorry, no, it's more than that. But the instrumental break... Getting exact. Sorry. It's more than that. But it goes on a long journey, right? You're yeah. right. At the end, we come back to the yeah. meat of the song. And, and to your point about Grateful Dead, I think the whole point of the Grateful Dead solos are for you to lose what song are we on? <laughs> and then they bring it back at the end to be like, oh, here we are. Yeah. You know, here's the release. We're in this song. I am. Um, also, back to the vinyl nerd component of the show, uh, this single was split into two parts. Um... Uh, the first side, part one, runs three minutes and 13 seconds. Part two runs 6.45. Hmm. I did not know that. Nor did I. And back in my uh, reckless drinking days when I would go to the bar and would have a couple credits on the jukebox, I always chose this song to get my money's worth. That's that's a solid and investment. Yeah, definitely. Just um, bumming people out of the bar. Most of the time, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, And then there's that pause where you, you know, oh, it's over. Yeah, no. I love this instrumental part. It's like a slow build of tension, and the guitars are perfect between each other, and they keep climbing and interplaying to a crescendo. And it just, it's again, it's like a journey, and you don't know exactly where you're headed until you get there. And so I I think it's it's such a beautiful instrumental piece. Um, Another comment from Lloyd. According to Lloyd, there are plenty of overdubs on this song, but no effects on the guitars, which were plugged directly into the amps. Tom Verlaine's voice was processed a bit on this song with some echo and delay to give it a more robotic feel. Oh, that's cool to know. So, in case you're wondering, he's using a major Mixolydian scale here. I was going to say that, but once you mas- I, didn't know, I didn't have the right terminology. I, I, for I, it. I just don't like showing off. So. <laughs> <laughs> once you master that, you've got television solos. You got it figured you out. You can play like Tom Verlaine and somewhat like. I saw your work. Instagram story once with you. What song were you doing? This? That was fucking beautiful. Yeah, well, that's the half the fun of listening to this record. Sometimes it makes me inspired to pick up a guitar. Sure. And, and there too. we go. It's a guitar player's record, it's yeah. a guitar record. And I love, again, just we're building towards this. Say crescendo one more time, Charlie. No, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to. Attention I release. dare you. No, not going to. But I think it's, it's, you know, you get rewarded at the end when you do hit that crescendo. Um, I know I love 
all the guitar parts in the song, but I think my favorite are the twinkling guitars yes. when it. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. It's just that's, so. Let, that's when, when we get to that point, part, let's let's actually listen to that because that is the one of the coolest guitar sounds on this record. Twinkling guitars. It's it, it's bird like. It's a shimmering bird like twinkling. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're we're getting close. We're not there. All right. So, what do you guys think about the words on this one? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they don't, they don't move me one way or the other. Um, I think, I think they're perfect for the song. Um, I think there is kind of, I don't know, I guess just as honestly, this song, I think musically overshadows the words. Yeah. I almost think it doesn't matter. Um, it kind of, th- I think of tool in that regard. Um, I don't, I've never read tool lyrics. I don't listen to tool for lyrics i love his voice Mm -hmm. um and it's almost the same vibe here um all right listen up sean at the end of this is where the birds come in all right chimey i feel like this is like a youtube reaction video like three dudes in their (laughs) 40s listen to television for the first time (laughs) here's that crescendo that charlie spoke about Oh, birds. Yeah. And it's fine. weird because maybe I am more dialed into the terminology than I think. Because, I, you know, sitting at a red light hearing that, I'd be like, fuck, this sounds like birds. It does and sound like, like birds. I wonder what they'll say. Like, they'll fucking give me some What like, the birds will say? Who, no, like, are you talking who, to birds? Who do you think, who's responsible for the no. bird sounds? That's uh, Mr. Richard Lloyd. Okay, I thought so. But the Nels Kleine kind of, well, the Tom Verlaine thing is what we should be saying. And I love that it's like, oh, we're done. Yeah. Just kidding. This is where someone else goes to put a dollar in the jukebox. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, wait, fuck. And that's when you get into a drunken bar fight. Yeah. And it's like you were on this long instrumental passage, and then here we go, get reminded of the main theme. And you're just like, oh, yes, fuck yes, I love this part. And you got some, some jazz on the drums. All right, guys, that's enough about this trick. No, that's not enough. There's, yeah, that's, that's probably yeah, my favorite. We're on to Elevation, which is the newest of all the songs on the record did they figure out just before recording or mm-hmm. and rumor has it some of the words are about patty smith okay about tom verlaine and patty smith's relationship coming to a close um for me uh lloyd's guitar solo beautiful he actually says it's his best solo it's, really it's so gorgeous he claims um, that he pictured like Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page and like Robert Johnson looking over his shoulder while he was playing it I'm not kidding I believe and it and they like gave him like the thumbs up like that was boy a, that's the one that's the one that's that belongs in the pantheon of wow greatest guitar I'm gonna uh, have to solos ever. listen to this solo a little closer and judge yeah, when myself. I was driving here this is where when I parked it was cut the solo was coming up and I'm like wait I gotta my favorite a, part is it a double track solo? Oh yeah, but my favorite guitar parts aren't even the solo. It's it's right here. It's the, the little nice little bandies. So elevation, and when he says elevation, and he keeps repeating it, elevation don't go to my head. Mm-hmm. So Anyone like else think it sounds famous? like television? Oh. Television don't go to my head. Oh. Anyone else uh, hear no, that? Uh, but I reading online a lot of people right have heard that. I know I've always heard elevation. Um, yeah, I think I read that too. But that's when I was a kid. That's what I, even though 
I'm just not the smartest guy around. I definitely wasn't the smartest kid around. The song is called Elevation. You're smarter than me. And it said, I always thought it said, television, don't go to my head. According to Richard Lloyd, it is Elevation. They weren't trying to be clever. It's just something that, like a coincidence. It's a wacky coincidence. What does that mean, Elevation, don't go to my head? Well, they weren't famous. Yeah. Was Patti Smith becoming famous? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe, I don't know. There's also a mention of shores in the lyrics. Again, we're going to see lots of shores and ocean lyrics throughout the record. I feel like you could probably say that about every record. True, but I mean, these are pretty overt. It's not like an alluding to the ocean kind of thing as being a, a pretty thing. It's like almost in every song. Hmm. One thought is it's, uh, it's about trying to escape fame by lying back and not letting it affect you. Yeah, that's what so, it sounds like to me, you know? Um, Don't let your your elevating fame get to your head. It's weird because, you know, with this record, I, you know, the lyrics are very secondary because that might be what it's about. Um, but I, I never care enough when I listen to this record what the lyrics are about because I'm so consumed by the music. Yeah. Um, not to say that it's they're not great lyrics or they don't matter, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, it depends on the person listening. I don't think there was a bunch of people at, at CBGB back in the day going to Tom Verlaine and saying, oh my God, your words are amazing. Sure. And I, from the sound of things, not a whole lot of people were coming up to them, period, because apparently when they were off, they were awful. Like, they were awful more often than they were awesome on stage. Well, supposedly, getting ready for this record, they practiced, like, six days a week, four to six hours before they went into the studio, and so that might explain why some of the songs were one take, because they were were ready. Yeah, so hopefully shows around that time were better, because I've seen stuff online where people are like, when they were great, they were great, and when they were off, they were terrible. there's, There's a lot of stuff on the internet, videos, and I know camera and audio technology was not the greatest back then or were house mixes in a club you're not going to get great sound but i mean they don't really sound that great compared to what we're used to yeah and and in a live setting from what i've seen like tom verlaine's vocals suffer suffer all right i hope his vocals don't go to his head yeah that's one thing i did notice on some um live footage i pulled up but from not the 70s or even 80s but i noticed that his vocals were very mediocre when i was watching the videos i also kind of noticed that coming out of marky moon the way that elevation starts is sort of like a nice segue out of this epic song where and it's kind of a mid-tempo and it's not as jagged as some of the other tracks and sort of like kind of Kind of warms you up for this next track after yeah, it's you've like been a, lulled into some sort of hypnotic trance in the last one. Any song that follows Marquee Moon is yeah. it's, it's always going to be, you know... This, yeah. Second guess, not looked at well, yeah, as much. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Because um, you need time to kind of recover after Marquee Moon. Yeah, I think Elevation does a pretty good job. Yeah, I It do elevates too. us back up to... And it's side B. It starts off side B of the record, you know. It's a solid side B start. And now we're on to Guiding Light. Yeah, this is the song you mentioned that uh, only song where Verlaine and Lloyd share. Yeah, all the all the other songs are credited solely to Verlaine. Um, and this one's to him and Richard Lloyd, which is a point of contention between the two uh, over the years. 
sounded like from Lloyd's perspective, you know, Verlaine was pretty tyrannical in many ways, and whatever Verlaine wanted, he kind of got and ran the shots with the band. And, you know, I'm sure Lloyd pushed back, but, you know, to the point where he's not playing with them anymore. But, um, you know, it sounds like it was kind of contentious. Yeah. This I mean, is a, oh, go ahead. No, Kevin. I was just going to say that's a, that's a story as old as time sure. with yeah. just about all bands. Sure. Yeah. Singer and shredder guitar player. Yeah. Well, you look at this writing, is my band, man. Writing credits is, it's a delicate thing too. Cause you've got, say you've got a guitar player or a keyboard player that comes up with a hook and yeah. that might be the thing that people hum in their yeah. cars. Meanwhile, the singer's like, I wrote the words, I wrote the melody, 100% goes to me. Yeah. Sean, you were saying? Um, yeah, no, I was going to bring attention to his singing on this song. I mm. think it's powerful. I think there's a lot of range. I like how the song builds, and then it's just kind of like a low-key It's more sing- It's more singy than the other tracks, where some are a little more uh, jagged or a little more uh, gritty. This one mm-hmm. is more singy-ish. Singy-ish. Yeah, it's a word, right? Yeah, it's a word. I just I like looked it. it up. Yeah. In my dictionary. Um, Whoa. Are you... I, Little television joke, guys. Yeah, kind of bummed me as in laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing. Uh, <laughs> Anything else about this track? Lyrics. Feeling I like the piano. Yes, yeah. this is the first track that That's, the piano comes up. No, which there's piano on Marky Moon? Is there? Okay. Is there? I didn't really. It just it. follows the bass. Does it? Follows it? Fred Smith. Mm-hmm. Sonic. Fred Smith. Not no. Sonic. <laughs> He's so all the piano sonic. on here is Verlaine. Yes. Because on this, it's it's the piano is very chordy, right? Mm-hmm. It just it's accenting, it's, you know, and it fills in some sonic space that I think... Fred sonic space? <laughs> My mind is still blown, so... It fills I think it's the Patti Smith thing that, that threw up. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a while? About what? Just that I was confused about that. I don't think we need to talk no, anymore right. about that part. All right. But sorry, were I, you I alluding think, to someone sorry. else playing the piano? No, I just, again, to Sean's point, it's uncredited. And so I didn't know. I actually looked and I couldn't, I mean, I guess I didn't look hard enough, but and I didn't know that it was just foregone that that was Verlaine. But I feel like in all the tracks or all the songs that have piano in it, it adds because the production is so sparse. There isn't a lot of bells and whistles. There aren't like synthesizers. There aren't horns. There aren't strings. And so when the piano is just doing chords, it, it fills the space. It, feels, it sounds nice. How do you know it's Verlaine? Is that something you just... Yeah, I read that in the thirty-three and a third book. Oh, that's okay. All right, because um, I mean, I, I believe Richard s- Lloyd says that he played that Verlaine played the, all the piano parts. Okay, I mean, I guess you would just assume because it seems like he controlled the direction of everything. Um, I like how like a band like Wilco can take this part and turn it into a song. And you're right. Whoops, you're right. So, are we good on this one? Good on Guiding Light. You guys ready to move on? Let's elevate it to the next track. We're on Prove It. You didn't laugh at my joke, Kevin. Oh, I'm laughing on the inside. Always laughing on the inside. What do you guys think of this flamenco guitar? Major Elvis Costello and the Attractions vibe going on Oh, totally. It totally does, Sean. Watching the detective. Yeah. Um, Is that considered a rake? Like a doom doom Yeah. A little bit of a rake. I mean, you're not raking leaves, you're raking guitar strings. Yeah. Yeah. And the drummer is kind of playing on the rim here. It also kind of gives it a little, like... Calypso vibe? Yeah, I don't don't want to say jazzy, but a little, like... 
I like Calypso. Bouncy vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And this is the only track where he does something like that, and I think it really changes the feel of the song, which Verlaine is pretty cool. has the solo on this song. Um, and apparently, uh, the song was based on a... Uh, or. I don't know if it's a novel or a short story, The Long Goodbye by Raymond Chandler. So, Interesting. I did not know that. And one more um, fact connected to this song. Just a fact? Um, so yeah, this connects to uh, the vinyl nerd component of the show. So in the UK, Prove It was released as a single July 22nd, 1977. The first 15,000 copies were pressed on light green vinyl. Oh, cool. The next 15,000 were pressed uh, on dark green vinyl. Uh, the single charted for four weeks, peaked at number 25 on the UK singles chart July 30th, 77. It's really interesting how really great bands end up getting noticed in England. First, when, yeah. Yeah. And maybe later in 20, 30 years later, these bands will get their due in the States. You know, but even like a year later. Yeah, maybe, I guess. It just seems like, you know, it's a story as old as rock and roll where like these bands that deserve acclaim, like England gets it first. And I don't know if that's just they're a more intelligent, cultured group of people. They like stealing stuff from America. They do. Like the blues and country music. And then they, they often give it back to us better than better, the way they found it. A better version. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, why Dylan titled his record Bringing It All Back Home. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Because he felt the that... The English invasion? Was... Took, took American rock and roll, American blues, and he released that record as a response to that. And that's why he titled it that. So, Interesting. Yeah. But it just always seems like music journalism is way ahead of the curve over there and I think something to do with the size of England being like California, just, you know, you don't, one tour in England is going to give you some regard. If you're good. Yeah. If you're like television good. Well, it's weird because even if you're not good, it seems like overseas, whether it's the UK or Europe, there's just more of a openness. You have more of a chance. Yeah. And there's more. Yeah. I guess it's more openness. Yeah. Um, seems that way. The minds are open. Yeah, they're more really? cul- they're honestly a more cultured people for sure. Wow, now we're getting into politics, <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to go there. Okay, Americans don't get art. <laughs> All right, let's talk more about television. I think we've gotten we proved it. We're gonna get past prove it, and we're gonna go to the last song on the record. We're already at the last song. It's called Torn Curtain. What eight tracks, right? That's it. We've got timpani. Is that Tiffany? No, just, just a drum normal, roll. Just a normal. Which is tom. different, right? And I feel like this drum roll to start the song is kind of like suspense building or has a dramatic feel. And this song is pretty dramatic. Yeah, mm. absolutely. This is that's what I would say, dramatic, absolutely. It's There's so the piano. Mm-hmm. I think the piano adds a lot a lot to this song. Oh, without a doubt. And I believe Sean, you were saying earlier that is this your favorite Tom Verlaine vocal on the record? Uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, it's just so haunting, um, so powerful, so much range. There is more emotion in his voice on this For one sure. than other tracks. There is something that I read online about. This isn't about his voice, but um, uh, this is about the guitar playing, which I went back and I listened to the, or I tried to find the part, but I couldn't. So maybe 
a more trained ear. So uh, Verlaine abruptly breaks the tension by creating the illusion that his string has snapped, suddenly dropping to the bottom of the neck with a jarring riff using his bass strings. Yeah, that's later on in the song. Point me to that, please. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. When we get there, you'll hear it. Um, <laughs> that's just more trickery. Um, when you're looking at the guitar styles, Tom Verlaine is more free jazz style and more kind of freewheeling, freewheeling, excuse me. To freewheeling. Bob Dylan signed I know. Right. Can Michael. we get through a track without miss <laughs> mentioning Bob Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> and Richard Lloyd is more of the trained rock guitar player, but they use the same scales, and I think that's, I don't know, just the way they, their different styles really complement each other. Totally, because really, they really are different. Well. That's probably why it's so great when they interplay, right? Because they're different styles and different techniques and different feels. Yeah. And people talk about, like, this could be, getting even more nerdy, Let's this go. could be a, uh, a commercial for Fender. This whole record could be an advertisement for Fender guitars. Uh, just tone. Richard Lloyd's playing the Strat all the way through. Yeah. Tom Verlaine's playing the Jazzmaster all the way through. And that's another way you can tell them apart is the two distinctive tones that those guitars make. That's what I thought. <laughs> don't don't make fun of me, Sean. No, no. I look. I don't have that trained ear. Um, I don't have a trained ear either. I just. Well, yeah. I mean, self-trained. I mean, you. Yes. I mean, all right. There we go. So you like that? All right. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, yeah. I just. Uh, you know. Question. On the chorus of this, when it goes tears, tears. I can't sing. And then years, years. Is it Verlaine doing the backup, or is it? A gang Someone vocal? In the band. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. It sounds like a gang vocal. Yeah. Because I know that Richard Lloyd sang on stage. I don't... But again, all the vocals are credited to Verlaine. Yeah. On the I just, to me, it sounded like a, a little different voice in that echo of the tears. Yeah. Yeah, there's some kind of harmony going yeah. on. It could be an effect, too. Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering... If they just maybe mix that one a little different. Yeah. And I think with Andy Johns going back to like the production and the engineering on the record, he'd never even heard the band. Yeah. That guitar part right here. Love it. Yeah, it's it's kinda triumphant sounding almost. And then yeah, does, does it, it go just minor it gets, here? Yeah, and it gets sad with the minor. Yeah. Diminished scale like fun nerd stuff that's why it makes you go when it's all like pretty and up and then it goes uh, you know and then it gets a little like a little more uh. you ready sean yeah let's hear it let's hear yeah, that here comes your part all right i think you'll hear it. and he's just getting higher the illusion the string has snapped all right it didn't really like all right but thank you, Kevin, for showing I, I, me I that. Think, I think, but still, I think that writer was getting a little overzealous. I think he was putting some mustard on his words where they didn't need to be mustard. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like someone we'd hang out with, though, so. <laughs> I do like mustard. This is definitely a dramatic ending song, and it, it sounds different from the rest of the record, and, like, it's, it's a nice final track to the record. The record opens and ends with songs that are unlike... More so this one, for sure, yeah. but, uh, you know, I still think the first track is kind of its own little thing. Um. All right. 
this has been a fun exercise in television. Yeah, I, I mean, enjoyed this one, guys. This is for me a, a perfect record, and I'm excited we did it as an episode. And it's again a record that continues to grow with time and multiple listens. And you know, I think there's a lot of people feel the same way, but still is not regarded in the same esteem as other records. You right. know, your top. 50 records of all time kind of thing but it's it's of that era one of the most important records from that era i am um, yeah i when we first decided to do this record i was definitely on board but um i'm really really glad we we did this one just because i almost feel like i've just discovered a new a new record um yeah this is one that keeps growing with me yeah i keep hearing things that i've never noticed before i feel i feel like too we're so removed from this era and like rock and roll in its purest form in a way that like this record really is that and i think sometimes if you, you know people like us you know the no frills music sometimes it just feels real and authentic and has a soul and and you can really recognize that in this record mm-hmm. yeah it's four dudes playing yeah in a studio generally um and i think it's also neat that it's quote-unquote a guitar record but you don't have to be a guitar nerd to to love it and appreciate it and to recognize that those guitars are next level yeah they're special they're special and makes you wonder why they couldn't repeat that egos yeah it could be ego or it could be having all that time to write and hone and craft that record and then jumping right into a new record yeah is it also that they didn't sell a ton and so like oh let's do adventure and the tracks are shorter and i think i saw that it sold eighty thousand copies upon initial releases yeah yeah which you know these days that's 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 a number one record yeah Yeah. that would (laughs) yeah this is definitely uh lightning in a bottle and then a little added trivia let's go just you guys probably a lot of the information is all out there, but when Richard Williams did the Eno demos from mm-hmm. Island Records, he supposedly gave the demos or played them to everybody. This is Tom Verlaine saying this. Mm-hmm. Played it for everybody, and he is accused, Roxy Music, Roxy Music's oh, yeah. Brian Ferry, mm-hmm. of taking ideas, especially words and lyric ideas, and putting them into their 1974, 75 record Sirens. So go ahead and listen to that one next. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we did this, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Yeah. All right, right, guys. That's it. Peace.